0: hey everyone welcome back to office politics i am your host jasmine reed clark and this is the space where we talk about life after the offer letter one thing that definitely comes after the offer letter is the opportunity for leadership sometimes we are working with great leaders sometimes we are learning from poor leaders and a lot of us even want to be leaders ourselves As we've heard time and time again, a title or being a manager doesn't make you a good leader. So what does? And what do you do if no one is giving you the opportunity or the space to be a good leader? Well, that's where we have my next guest, Laura, coming into play. She is a career coach, but specifically for women in the pre-suite. That's right before you get to the C-suite for those who didn't catch on. And she is here to talk about how to cultivate your own leadership style, how to occupy space when no one is listening to you, and how to get over those really, really hard days. Because whether or not you want to be a leader, we all have them. Really excited for this episode, so let's get into it. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for
1: being here. Hi, Jasmine. I am so excited to be here. Any chance to talk with you, I am all about.
0: Yes. No, it's <laughs> it's really refreshing to actually know someone who's in the industry and in the career coaching business because, well, first, I don't think I've even asked you this. Maybe I have, Good. but do you still... Uh, like? I still almost feel strange calling myself a career coach, but not because necessarily of imposter syndrome, but more like, I still think people think it's, if you believe it, you can Mm -hmm. achieve it. And I just want to be like, no, we we really do have substance to the things we do.
1: Yes. Yes. It's a, yeah. I mean, you don't want to get me going down that train because honestly, (laughs) we'll, we'll talk about it for hours, but yes, sometimes I think people think that I am like, Just somebody who encourages other people, and I love encouragement. Don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I I want the world to know we are more than just the Ted Lassos of workplace problems, right? We are more than that.
0: Exactly, exactly. And speaking of, that's like a perfect segue into (laughs) who is Laura and what has been your journey to leadership coaching?
1: Ah, well, I'm Laura funny, you should ask. Um, I (laughs) am a women's leadership development expert and coach. And um, what I do is really partner with women that are super powerful, really ambitious, want to be leaders, whatever that means for them in their career, but maybe aren't being seen aren't being heard aren't exactly sure how to kind of tell their story and take charge of that career. And the reason that I do it is because it's exactly what happened to me. Right. I came out of school, very eager to like change the world and do big things in my career and climb the ladder. And despite being a super high performing employee in every role that I was in, and despite wanting to grow and pursue other opportunities and take on more projects, um, I would constantly look around when I was in the world of corporate America and be on my own, <laughs> right? I I wanted yeah. to grow within the company and I wanted to really do more to help the mission and the vision. And there was no support to help me do that. And so I ended up leaving corporate America and seeing so many other brilliant women at the same stage in their career as I was leave too, to start their own businesses because there was no structure for developing them into leadership roles. So I decided to make it my mission to create that structure. And that brings me to where I am today. And so now I I work on a couple of different levels with women, but really specifically helping them identify and articulate their strengths and their gifts as leaders, start to see themselves as a leader, Outside of the box of you know what they think being a boss means, and then (laughs) really embodying that in everything that they do so that their career works better for them
0: and becomes more sustainable um, for the rest of their lives. And when you talk about the idea of being a boss, I had to laugh because I think we all at one point thought we all had to be Miranda Priestley. And for some, maybe that is your instinctual leadership style. um, But no matter if you are Miranda Priestly or not, um, likely the word ambitious or ambition comes up. Um, So let's talk about ambition for a moment. In your website bio, you share how being ambitious was never your problem. Getting people's attention despite your age was. And it reminded me of this article I recently read about the ambition penalty. Um, and financial expert Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez shared um, some data that supports, when women do get hired and reach leadership positions, they are more likely to be disliked and disrespected by their peers. Meanwhile, at home, when straight women have financial and career success, it's common for their romantic partner, excuse me, it's common for their relationships to suffer. So with us living in a world where we're damned if we are too ambitious, we're damned if we're not ambitious enough, quote unquote, what is the first step toward being our own champion and really like just tuning out the noise? Yeah. Yeah. It is a real,
1: it is a real lose lose out there sometimes for women in leadership. I mean, I think what you said is so, it's so important to talk about these implicit power biases, because there is this perception that if you're not Striving for more, then you're complacent or a lazy employee. But if you are striving for more and you're a woman, then you are unlikable. And then when you do get the role, then it turns into a whole variety of different things. I think some researchers call it the double bind for women in leadership. It's like if they behave, in more traditionally masculine ways as a leader, then they are liked less, but they are respected more. And if they don't behave in traditionally masculine ways, they are liked more, but respected as a leader less. And it's like, well,
0: if everybody's going to judge me anyway. Let me just do whatever the fuck yeah, I want, right? It reminds me of like Michael Scott when he's like, yes. would you rather be feared or loved? I want people to fear how much they love me. Really? <laughs> so, no, but exactly. It's a double-edged sword or a catch 22 or whatever idiom mm-hmm. we're using. Yeah. Use them all. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's hard. And I have had people tell me before, like, The fact that you work with women only is so unnecessary because, you know, feminism worked and women are equal. And I'm like, let's not even have that conversation. But I think pre-pandemic, the answer to this would have been, okay, the first step you can take in being your own advocate and growing yourself at work is to develop a career plan, you know, finalize that with somebody who is in favor of your growth and start working it. And I think post pandemic, the answer is the same. Plus, let's first just spend a little bit of time rewriting the rules for what it means for you to be successful in your career. So many women, we had this mass exodus of women from the workforce in the pandemic, because I, I mean, I believe it's because the workplace hasn't worked for women for many, many years, if ever. And Mm -hmm. that created this very stark realization of it through those circumstances. And now women are like, okay, we want more, like, let's find an environment that is more flexible, that gives us more tools that develops us, which is exactly what my story was, too. So I think these days, when we're talking about the first step toward being your own champion and really tuning out all of the noise around you it's tuning into your voice Mm. asking yourself okay what do i actually want to be seen as what kind of legacy do i want to leave as a leader yes what are my personal and professional values and how do i really reverse engineer that legacy into who i'm showing up as at work tomorrow
0: I love that. Um, man, and so many people, whether it be external validation or external rejection, aren't doing that. And you you touched on something that I love so much that you have on your site, which is uh, something I preach in my own coaching. Combating mm-hmm. imposter syndrome by identifying what makes someone uniquely valuable and embracing your own personal power, aka you. not everyone needs to be Miranda Priestley or you know, whoever mm-hmm. it is. So in addition to tuning into yourself, is there anything else you would really advise listeners to do when cultivating their unique leadership style?
1: Yeah read fewer books and instead (laughs) reflect more on what actually works for you, right? Like, I can't tell you how many reading lists I get requests for. And I'm like, listen, I love a book as much as anybody. But just because you read 17 books on powerful leadership doesn't mean you can do it, right? It's really all about you tuning into like, here's a good example. So often I feel Women think that they have to change aspects of their personality in order to be seen as a leader. So they come to the table with me and say, like, what parts of my personality do I tweak to fit that mold? And I'm saying tweaking your personality traits to fit the mold doesn't work. And you're not going to ever fit the mold because you're trying to live up to some, you know, false expectation of who you are. Instead, you need to tweak your own perceptions of what powerful leadership is And you need to start to see that the things that you're bringing to the table are the most powerful things you bring to the table, which sounds maybe very simple. But I think, Jasmine, I think you and I have talked about this before, what I call the Serena Williams mindset
0: shift. Have we talked about this? Oh, we have. But can you please just let our listeners in on the goodness? Yes, absolutely. Um,
1: So I tell them, we have to start thinking like Serena Williams in our day to day life, right? Serena is an incredible athlete, correct? Um, But she does not spend five of her training hours a week on learning how to play basketball for the sake of being a more well rounded athlete, Right. She spends her time on the thing she is really freaking amazing at. And that is tennis. And she gets she gets higher and higher and higher levels of mastery. And what I see with women in leadership is they are focusing too much of their time on making up for some kind of perceived deficit in who they are as a person instead of leading as who they are.
0: I love that so much. And it really hits home because I remember when I first started people management back when I was working a corporate nine to five. And I literally remember going to someone being like, okay, so who do I need to be now? And they were like, what are you like? What? (laughs) And I was like, teach me how to be. A bitch. Like, I'll, you know, I want to be honest about what I said. I was like, Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, nice girls finish last and I can't be kind and I can't be all. And the person who had, who was literally at this job because she was in her golden years and she had done all of the like high level things, she was like, Yeah, she's like, that's actually rookie shit. And uh, if that's not who you are, everyone's going to be able to see through it anyway. So, who do you really want to be? And I'm so grateful that I had that person at that time in my corner. Um, but yeah, I think that is a, a huge misconception that we all have to adopt more mask, quote unquote, masculine features or uh, uh, habits in order to be successful. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. and another thing too is. I guess another baby step is working on your communication and defining your communication style. Because again, so many women come to me and they're like, hey, I've been told I need to work on my communication. I don't know about you, but are the women in your life not like the best freaking communicators that you know? So why are they going into the workplace and then they're like, oh no, I don't know how to communicate. No, you're just speaking a different language from the very corporate, very masculine language that's happening in the workplace, um, mm-hmm. you're probably a better communicator than a lot of people there. So.
0: One hundo. One hundo. mm mm-hmm. And as we talk about communication, I think there's something to be said about building confidence in the workplace. So Mm -hmm. since coaching, I've observed that most professionals aren't necessarily lacking experience. They're lacking confidence. I think many of us are hopeful that once we get that job, that salary, that promotion, that the confidence will follow. What does it really mean to be confident in the workplace and how does a professional dig deeper to ensure that they're confident no matter the circumstances, no matter if they just got fired or they just got promoted? Yeah, I think it's
1: important to acknowledge that the idea of confidence doesn't come from results. So you're not going to feel confident as a result of something you've achieved. Usually your confident or lack of confidence just moves on to some bigger thing that you have not achieved yet. It just migrates so that you are constantly feeling inferior. I think instead of believing that confidence comes from results, we have to acknowledge that confidence comes from self-trust. So for me, that's all about helping these women that I work with you know, understand themselves, understand their gifts, understand their approach, and then start to prove to themselves over and over again, that they are capable of creating the best possible solution in whatever situation they're in. Right. And that is where the confidence comes from. You may not always have the answers, but you know, that you will use whatever you have available to you to make the best choice in that moment and to move forward. And that's really what it's all about.
0: And I think, I love what you said because it really reminds me of this point. In fact, that person who I said was retired and and doing the corporate nine to five as, uh, you know, for fun money. Yeah. She, I remember being, uh, because I was her, her boss actually at the time and I took her outside. I was crying because we had just gotten out of a meeting where somebody asked me a pretty poignant question and I didn't have the right answer or the smartest answer in the room. And somebody who was on paper on the org chart under me had the better answer. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a sign that I am stupid, incompetent, shouldn't be a leader. I'm so dumb. And I took her outside and I was crying and I said, I'm not meant for this, whatever. And she said, being a manager doesn't mean you're the smartest person in the room. And it really was in that moment that I ever heard that i really thought prior to that singular moment crying outside of a boba shop that mm-hmm. if i'm not the smartest person in the room i can't be the best manager in the room or or even a manager at all yeah yeah it's true
1: and that i mean i want to touch really quickly on and that phrase manager too the difference between managers and leaders because i have people that reach out to me who are saying you know, I want to be a leader, absolutely, but I don't have a managerial role yet. And I think it it works the same way that confidence does. It has to be a reverse engineered, right? So you need to start showing up as a leader in whatever role you're in in order to be seen as ready for a official leadership role. So I work with women all the time before they reach that manager or director level to help them start owning their career. <laughs> Now, start speaking up. Now, start taking responsibility. Now, instead of waiting until somebody's like, "Okay, yeah, they've demonstrated enough um, capability, we'll will grant them leadership." Now, like here's your. And official. it's like
0: so rarely do you get that career fairy godmother. So you have to be as what you preach on your website through your coaching and your products. You have to do that and be your own advocate, and mm-hmm. you know. It, it really reminds me of a phrase that we've all heard, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I love to ask coaches, when you look back at your own journey, because I'm an accidental entrepreneur and I'm here because I had so many fuck ups and somehow, <laughs> and somehow I was able to really squeeze delicious lemonade out of lemons. Um, but I want to ask you about your journey, Laura. Like what was your dry, or excuse me, What was driving your own imposter syndrome early in your career and how do you wish someone would have actually comforted you instead of saying, oh, it gets better? Yeah, yeah.
1: For me, it was listening too much to the people around me in corporate America and believing that their opinion and observation was truth. Because the people around me, I mean, it wasn't until I got older and started to view my work and my career as a game that I was able to really break out of the limitations I placed on myself. And what I mean by that is... Like early in my career, I was, you know, conditioned to take all feedback without any grains of salt, um, to apply everything, to be everything to everybody that wanted some piece of what I had to offer. And I eventually started to realize that there was this very healthy, necessary tension that should exist between an employee and the company where the employee is looking out for themselves and advocating for them and the company is advocating for the company and the company's vision and goals so the company is always going to want and demand more and the employee is always going to need to defend (laughs) their own boundaries and their needs too and when I started to realize that that wasn't a bad thing that wasn't like being a bad employee, that wasn't being negative, that was just part of the game, then I could own everything so much more easily. So I wish earlier in my career, somebody had told me, you're not broken or wrong for struggling to meet the demands of, you know, the faceless company. <laughs> you are just a human in the company, right? And like, they're always going to want more than you can
0: maybe give in the moment. Ding, ding, ding. And <laughs> my God, if I'm not, oh gosh, that is totally what I think 20, 22, 26, 27, 30, and I'm sure 35, 30, 34 year old Jasmine will need. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one thing I love and I'm gonna give you the space to say this, because if you have not officially trademarked it, you need to. Let's <laughs> talk about the pre suite yes. and how you found a niche with such special women who are like, okay, I may not have Chief blank in front of my title.
1: Mm-hmm. But damn it,
0: I am working my way there. So tell me how you not only found your uh your tribe or your home or your nest, whatever, you know, woo-woo thing you want to say, but how you found your community and um in the pre suite and what that really means. I love that. I love, yeah. love, love that.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I I just thought about myself, right? That unseen phase of my career where I was working harder than everybody around me. I was hungrier than everybody around me. I wanted to be developed. I wanted to be seen and acknowledged and challenged and all of these things. And I felt invisible. And I feel like in so many workplaces today, you get developed and you get attention if you are brand new to the company when you're being onboarded and once you've hit the c-suite and so coaching i don't know how many people listening know this but coaching really started with like executive and performance coaching so coaches would work with those people at the top of the company which makes sense because i think the idea is that the ramifications would trickle down to the rest of the company right but in reality, it just serves to reinforce a lot of these old school power dynamics and companies where the only people getting any kind of attention or development to be the best performer are the people that are already there, already in the chief roles of some kind. And it really turned, it really, that style of coaching and that style of development really serves to squeeze as much life out of people as they possibly can that are at those tiers because turnover is really costly. What I see happen is that it's the women in the invisible stage in the quote messy middle of their careers as I call it that are most open to being developed and who can make those big quantum leaps they've given the time and intention and the tools. So instead of you know, pouring all of our resources only into people who are at the top, pouring our resources into the group that's right before that phase will help us create so many new, interesting ideas and innovations. And yeah, I do truly see them as the pre-suite because they don't have that title, but they've got the hunger, right? And I think ambition is like, it's just so important. It's not a bad word. It's like, it's just such an important element to what motivates us and what fills us and what drives us. And we should be giving those people every tool that we possibly can.
0: I, yes, I just love it. And I love how (laughs) passionate, like everyone can hear it in your voice. And what are some leadership lies you would love to debunk in 2021, 2022? Yeah. Um, So many. So
1: (laughs) first things first, um, the idea that only a certain type of personality can lead. Bullshit. You can lead as an introvert. You can lead as an extrovert. You can lead as a people person. You can lead as somebody who hates people. I mean, you know. To a certain extent, you can. Um, So I think that that's the biggest thing is that personality factors do not dictate whether you are a leader or not. The second leadership lie I want to debunk is that it takes a lifetime to become a leader. Right? I think a lot of us think... I, I remember asking somebody recently, okay, well, what's your legacy that you want to leave when you leave this company? And they were like, oh, I haven't even thought about that because I just started at this company like two or five years ago. And I'm like... Well, when are we going to think about it, right? And this person was like, I'm not a leader until I've been in a space, you know, for 25 years, 30 years, whatever. And I think it's just this old school way of seeing leadership through seniority only that's not helpful. So that would be def- definitely like a second leadership lie to do, because it takes a whole lifetime to become yep. an established and respected leader. <laughs> I think you can mm-hmm. do it immediately.
0: I... I love both of those, especially the part of you can be an introvert and lead. You can be compassionate and lead. And that is exactly what I had to learn uh, the hard way and many, many, many times over. Mm. And I would love to know. uh, So often I personally get clients coming to me who are like, I would love to be a manager or, or I would love to people lead. However, How can I get more experience? So may it be certificates, classes, or Mm. what I say to them, like, hey, you can always volunteer for whether it be like internship development or doing extracurriculars at your job. What are some uh, opportunities people can really leverage if they want more leadership development, but they aren't necessarily... Uh, given the opportunity to go out for a promotion?
1: Yeah. My first thought is you're probably already doing way above and beyond your role, but you're not documenting it. (laughs) So my first challenge to you is document what you're doing as a leader and show it to me. Right. So like, let's sit down (laughs) and let's talk about what results did you create last quarter? What were some personnel wins you had over the last week? What kind of, impact does your advising and mentoring and coaching have on sales etc really just getting clear on the things that you already bring to the table because most women that I talk to don't make an intentional practice of documenting those things and then you get to review time and you're like trying to dig through everything in your brain to figure out what the last thing you did was that was valuable um Mm -hmm. so there's that and then the second thing would be really understanding, like, how you desire to impact the people around you. So I think we've talked about this before, but I created Mm -hmm. this whole framework for how women can think about themselves as leaders. It's called the personal power code. And it is like your personal assessment of all of the elements of leadership. And one of those is impact desire. So how do you want to impact the people around you? And there are three really distinct types that I don't think it talked about enough. So one is really deep impact. So you go really, really deep in relationship with a handful of people. That's like the traditional like mentorship model. And I think that's what most people think of when they think of leaders. The second type is wide. So that's where you impact a ton of people, but with like a little bit more of a shallow message that is more applicable to everybody. Not shallow in a bad way, but like a a less specific to them (laughs) message. So that's like Brene Brown, right? She's got like a wide impact instead of a deep impact. And then there are the people who go after really targeted relationships for the sake of working with the individuals that will create the most change. So that reminds me of like the old school, you know, executive coaching style we've talked about. Mm -hmm. But it can also be like Lobbying the right people in the office really intentionally picking the people who have the most ability to change the pieces of the workplace that you want to and building relationship with them. So if you can even just figure out that one piece of your power code, you know, you you start to understand what opportunities
0: around you fit that desire and then that helps you weed those out. And I wish so badly, I, I I wish I would have had that kind of coaching. It's something I think I've had to learn through so much trial and error. Mm-hmm. So what do you wish career coaches did differently so that they themselves could be packaging that messaging and really, like, I don't want to say gifting, but really <laughs> <laughs> helping further develop those so that uh, they can they can lead from a place of intention.
1: Yeah. I have, again, a million thoughts because I think if you're a leader in your industry, you're always thinking about ways that you want your industry to change and like Mm -hmm. step up and do better. Um, I think so many career coaches, and I'm curious if you feel this way too, they just reinforce harmful workplace, um, practices and expectations right so they teach their people how to play with the office politics versus helping their people rewrite office politics right and i'm like that is some bullshit i'm not going to teach you like how to get um a guy on board who hates women. Like, I'm <laughs> like, that's not like a thing. I'm going to teach you how to yeah. have a conversation with somebody and like help them see the value and what it is that you do and vice versa. But so that's totally. a, a huge thing. But also um, this idea of like making leadership a lifelong pursuit through the way that we structure coaching work so this is like maybe kind of specific to the world of coaching but you know if you're curious about working with somebody for your career if you start googling career coaches most mm-hmm. people offer like a six to twelve month contracted coaching opportunity because it's all rooted in this idea that change takes time right and new habits take time to build which is fair um my biggest beef with that is like it doesn't have to be that way because actually Word. results can be immediate. It's really about how powerful and targeted your work is and specific to the right person. So my biggest challenge to coaches and career coaches especially is like let's get more women in leadership now, not 12 months from now. So that's mm-hmm. why I created uh-huh. Powerhouse, which is my in-person um transformation day for women leaders, like if you come to me and you say, I want to step up, I want to get promoted. I want to make more money. I want to be a leader. I want to be respected. Let's do that now in like 14 days from now, instead of 12 months from now. And we can do it all within the space of a day. If your people are focused and if you are focused and you have Mm -hmm. the solution
0: and we got them. So let's do it. It was funny because when I was telling my husband, I was like, this is so smart. And he's like, oh yeah, that makes it. Not that he's a career coach, but like, I think he was like, oh, that makes a ton of sense because he hears me after call sometimes saying, man, I kind of feel like we're kind of, I'm sort of stuck at level two Mm -hmm. with a certain client and and it's hard, but I, I almost just want to fast forward and be like, okay, once you master this, this is what we'll get to. And, I think what you have developed is extraordinarily forward thinking, thoughtful, and efficient. And because if nothing else, Jordan was like, God, that is a way more efficient time (laughs) or use of her time. I'm like, right? (laughs) Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's it's really exciting and like to see the shift in the women that I work with, it's unreal. Like I wish I had a video to capture how people walk into powerhouse, which is with this perception of like, I've got all this shit I need to unpack mm. and like change and I need to be better. And then the way that they leave and we do coaching and neuro linguistic programming. So there's like a lot of things happening, both consciously and subconsciously. So cool. And they walk away like, Oh, I've
0: actually fucking got this. Like I had it before. Yes! I just didn't know I got it. Like, the well, shifts I are always, huge. Wait, have you seen the movie teen witch? No. From, like, 1989. No. But all I will it. say, you have to. It's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But basically, very long story short, the moral of the story is she had it all along. And she just mm. needed, for her, it was this witch, the psychic around the corner. But she just needed somebody else to believe in her. Mm. Um, and with that, I want to dive into our rapid fire Please. So we 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 have four four easy questions. You can answer them as a career coach. You can answer them as any job you've done, or just Laura, the human being, having mm-hmm. a human existence. When was a time, either professionally or personally, that you realized the right thing and the hard thing are the same? I will say this,
1: Jasmine.
0: <laughs> I realize that
1: the hard thing and the right thing are the same when it came time to choose myself and to leave Mm -hmm. a job that didn't support me in all the ways I needed and start my own. And it was terrifying. Um, It felt like this selfish choice. And it also Mm -hmm. felt completely unrealistic and
0: unattainable. And it also was right. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, Laura. (laughs) I get that. Too well. (laughs) And what is one thing about wealth management and or business that few people know, but you wish everyone knew? Um, It's okay to be boring.
1: Like, boring makes you money. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and when I say boring, I don't mean like your message, but like, repeat yourself, like do things the (sighs) same way, create systems, like... I have a little mantra I tell myself, which is like, the more boring I get, the more people that I reach, because (laughs) that's how I create consistency in my messaging and in my content and in my offerings for people.
0: That you are speaking directly to me (laughs) when you say that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And complete this sentence. The best way to handle a toxic work environment is to blank. The best way to handle a toxic work environment
1: is to be the exception. Mm.
0: Don't be toxic just
1: because the people around you are.
0: Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I'll add to that. um, It can be really seductive to gossip and all of that. And that's something I definitely took part in in my early 20s. Nothing good comes of it. So just... (laughs) Be above it. Those people will not matter later. It's true. And then my final question is, where can everyone keep up with you?
1: Well, everybody can follow me all over the intranets. So um, lauraweldy.com is my website, and they can find all my stuff there. But I'm super active on Instagram at lauraweldy and on LinkedIn and basically anywhere there's space for – me to yell about why women deserve to be in
0: leadership roles and, and make space for them at the table. That's where I am. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for being on here. And guys, everything will be in the show notes below.